Good morning. Today is Wednesday, February 14, 2023. This is a regular meeting of the Building Inspection Commission. I would like to remind everyone to please mute yourself if you're not speaking. And the first item on the agenda is roll call. Um, President Vito. Here. Vice President Tam. Here. Commissioner Alexander Toot. Here. Commissioner Shaddix. Here. Commissioner Summer. Um, Commissioner Newman is excused, and we have a quorum. And next is our land acknowledgement. The Building Inspection Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatish Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Thank you. Um, for members of the public who are listening in, the public comment call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is um, 2494-195-9642. To raise your hand for public comment on a specific agenda item, press star three when prompted by the meeting moderator. And also the um, WebEx webinar password is 0214. Next, we have um, item uh, two, I'm sorry, three, President's opening remarks. Two, oh yeah, the two, I'm sorry. Findings to allow um, teleconference meetings under California Government Code Section 54953, discussion and possible action. The commission will discuss and possibly adopt a resolution setting forth findings required under Assembly Bill 361 that would allow the BIC to hold meetings or for commissioners to attend meetings when necessary remotely according to the modified Brown Act teleconferencing set forth in AB 361. Is there a motion to continue to meet remotely so as needed? Second. So there is a motion and a second. Are all commissioners in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Then that um, motion carries unanimously. And next is item three, um, President's opening remarks. Good morning, commissioners, uh, members of the public, and DBI. I want to thank my fellow commissioners for serving in 2022. It was also my first year as president. My focus that, that year has been to understand how DBI is streamlining the permitting process. In addition, helping the building community um, to, in, in its process to, to its recovery and housing stock. My second, my second and primary focus is bringing information to the BIC to inform their deliberation and questions. Um, I want to keep this opening remarks short and um, open this up to the rest of the agenda. Thank you. Is there any public comment on um, item, um, item three? Um, seeing none, we have item four, general public comment. The BIC will take public comment on matters within the commission's jurisdiction that are not part of this agenda.
Good morning. My name is Jerry Drantler. Each commissioner should have received a copy of my January email on the preferential treatment Supervisor Asha Safiyi and SIA Construction and Development received from DBI on two projects, 497 Valley Street and 29 Joy Street. The Gazmenuzad and Tabazal families own SIA Construction, excuse me, Consulting and Development. Freydun Gazmenuzad made a $180,000 loan to former San Francisco senior building inspector Bernard Curran. Both projects are examples where DBI failed to follow their standard inspection protocol for new construction. The BIC needs to understand what new controls need to be implemented by DBI to prevent other DBI inspectors from providing the same preferential treatment. Recommendations in September 2021 controller's report would have flagged both prohibited behaviors. What prohibits the BIC from insisting DBI implement all the recommendations in the controller's report? DBI inspector Donald Summers should be required to appear before the BIC and explain why he issued a certificate of final completion for 497 Valley Street after only conducting two unscheduled field inspections. It is highly unusual for DBI to only conduct two field inspections on a new home that required extensive foundation work. The second project, 29 Joy Street, is one of the 119 Tier 1 projects. That, that's projects associated with Rodrigo Santos and Bernard Curran that are under review by DBI. 29 Joy Street appears to be one of the many improper final inspections Mr. Curran performed outside of his assigned district. Are there other DBI inspectors finaling jobs outside their district? 49 Valley Street and 29 Joy Street demonstrate the absence of proper internal controls at DBI. The BIC numbers need to insist on the implementation of vigorous internal controls at DBI to prevent future inspection failures. Thank you. Is, is there any other general public comment for items that are not on the agenda? This one online, okay, go ahead. Um, for general, general public comment. Not the budget item yet. Okay. Okay. Caller, you're unmuted. Hello. Good morning. This is Audrey Pulliam. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I'll have to second what the last gentleman just said. Is I've had the same situation. Actually, I'm an analyst, and I work for the Department of Defense. I'm retired because I'm permanently disabled. And so I have been analyzing the DBI and I've found what the situation is. It actually probably has to do with a lot of new agents, but um, the situation is that they probably do have too much work and I'll have to give them that. And I, I do feel terrible for that. But the situation is 
the documentation is being hidden from the public view. And I have discovered that is one major discovery that I did make that I called 311 and I asked questions about a particular address, uh, and namely the address I'm living at that's being, um, her lawyer called it a capital improvement, but she said it's not a capital improvement. And so the DBI is handling it as an extensive um, overhaul. And so sh this landlord's refusing to pay and DBI is stood at my door and it looked like she hugged him and put something in his pocket. When, when you have a, a person standing so close that their, their lips are next to somebody's ear, I find that highly unregular, and um, along with what the last gentleman just said, that there's a lot of peculiarities here that are not becoming of the DBI. And that has to do with the um, agent. I had one agent just last week walk up and put posted a letter over top of my security camera with his smirk little look. He thought that was funny. Well, that's because I've undermined their whole agenda of of overlooking everything and not documenting it and then hiding it in the documentation which i see as part of your agenda that um the disclosure of information is not happening also the disclosure of the permit process is not happening because they are not getting the required documentation to actually even issue a permit was issued to a contractor, Hui Hin, Hun, and that gentleman did not have a license for a, for roofing, a C4 license, and he was submitted a roofing contract uh, permit. After he had failed to get a permit for windows, which he actually went back to get, which is fine. But the fact of the matter is, um, so, so these discrepancies are continuing. And since I'm an analyst, I, ha I think I've dug in a little bit deeper than most people can with their um, documentation because the 311 indication that... Um, Hello, caller, can you wrap up your comments, please? Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks. Well, thank you. I just like to see some change in the DBI and I will be advocating that and um, I'm deeply looking into it and um, I will not stop until it's done. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, next uh, we have item five, um, discussion and possible action to elect BIC president and vice president. Um, I would like to make um, a suggestion to the commissioners to move this to next month. According to the BIC rules, we have that capacity to do that. Um, and given that Commissioner Newman is not available person and in March we're required to be here in person, I thought it would be um, a good idea to at least have all of us in the same room to discuss, you know, the 2023. There, there was second a motion. Okay, so there's a motion uh, by. Well, mine wasn't necessarily a motion; it was oh. a suggestion. Oh, so suggestion. I just I wanted to get the feedback. So okay, if, sure. If if my, if <clears throat> the commission feels uh, or agrees, um, I'd, I'd like somebody to make a motion to move the that, election to March. That would include moving the subcommittee nominations or appointments as well, correct? We're sticking to agenda five right now. We'll move the other items as we come okay. up. Okay. 
All right. Motion to move the agenda item to next month. Second. <laughs> okay, so there's a motion and a second. Is there any public comment on that, on the motion to continue the item to next month? And no, seeing none in person, is there any remotely? Okay, um, seeing none, I'll do a roll call vote on this item. Um, President Beto? Yes. Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Alexander Toot? Yes. Commissioner Shaddix? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. Okay, that motion carries unanimously. Okay, um, next, we have item six, uh, discussion and possible action to appoint commissioners to serve on the litigation subcommittee. Um, um, similar to agenda number five, uh, the litigation committee is an important committee to, uh, all the committees are, um, uh, the same reason having all the commissioners present in person, I think, would be uh, beneficial to making all these nominations. Motion to move the committee <clears throat> item number six to next month, March. Second. Okay. So there is a motion and a second to continue this, uh, the item regarding the litigation subcommittee. Is there any public comment on this motion? Um, Seeing none, I'll do a roll call vote. President Beto? Yes. Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Alexander Toot? Yes. Commissioner Shaddix? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. That motion carries unanimously. And next we have item seven, discussion and possible action to appoint commissioners to serve on the nomination subcommittee. <clears throat> I'd like to make a motion to move that to March meeting as well. Second. So, so there is a motion and a second. Any public comment regarding continuing this item to the next meeting? Okay, um, seeing none, I will do a roll call vote on this item as well. President Vito? Yes. Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Alexander Toot? Yes. Commissioner Shaddix? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. Okay, that motion carries unanimously. So next we have item eight. Um, the nomination subcommittee, um, 8A, update from the nomination subcommittee. Um, I don't necessarily want to move all these items to next month. I think there's some items on here that um, uh, could we, could uh, for, for A, B, and C, could we capture all that as part of the um, discussion? This, this is very quick. This is just an appointment, so this, this item should be very brief. Okay, but but my, I'm asking just from an, a protocol standpoint that we can speak to A, B, and C together, correct? Uh, yeah, it's just A and B. Yes, they can they can speak to them both together. So I'd I'd like to defer to my fellow commissioner Summer on the nominations committee. I believe you've taken a leadership role in that. Would you mind providing us an update, please? Yeah, and, and just um, I'm sorry, since we're going to read them to take them together, let me read. I will read both of them. That's what I was asking. So uh, for eight B is a discussion and possible action to appoint a member to the Access Appeals Commission. Term to expire November 1st, 2026. Member seeking appointment is John Tostanowski for a person experienced in the construction seat. Thank you. Uh, the nomination subcommittee met last month um, and we did have some applicants to our opening on the Access Appeals Commission, which was great. Um, we have decided to um, nominate or seek appointment for John Tostanowski uh, as 
to fill the person experienced in construction seat on the Access Appeals Commission. Um, he is a licensed contractor and does work in San Francisco. Um, th that is not a requirement per se of the seat to be a licensed contractor, but we all agreed that that was a good um, fulfillment of this position. Um, he also has personal experience with um, ADA access issues through a, a family member um, who is permanently disabled, um, which is also not a requirement, but again was uh, relevant and um, you know, we, we thought that he would fill this position well. Um, so that is the nomination subcommittee's recommendation uh, is to appoint him to this position. So before we go into, mo into a motion, I'd like to thank um, all the people that have, and especially John Toskanowski, who's volunteered to join this subcommittee, um, or this, uh, th this, what do we nominate? Commission. 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 Yeah, okay, sorry, um, for their service. So um, motion to, uh, to appoint John Toskanowski to the Access Appeals Commission. Seconded. There is a motion by um, President Beto and a second by um, Vice President Tam. Is there any public comment on this uh, motion? Okay, seeing none, um, I'll do a roll call vote. Um, President Beto? Yes. Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Alexander Toot? Yes. Commissioner Shaddix? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. That motion carries unanimously. Thank you. So congratulations to um, Mr. John Tostanowski. I'm not sure if he is um, Is present he present? Today. Yes. John. Is he? Here? Is he here? Um, is he on the call? I don't think he Did was. Did you want to say um, a few words? Let me see if he's on the call. Just a moment. Yeah, I believe he, he may have had a, a scheduling conflict, but um, he will, he'll, you know, maybe he can appear at, at our next meeting. But thank, thank you, everyone, for the, uh, for the nomination. Okay, next, we have item nine, discussion and possible action on the proposed budget of the Department of Building Inspection for fiscal years 2023-2024 and 2024-2025. Good morning, commissioners, members of the public. Alex Koskinen, Deputy Director, Administration. If you could please pull up the presentation. And move to the next slide, please. So here is the schedule of the budget process. Uh, this is unchanged from the first meeting. We are in the second of two special budget meetings. And we are one week from the official submission of the department's two-year budget proposal to the mayor's office. Next slide, please. In this presentation, we will provide uh, revenue and expenditure and position uh, figures for your review. So on the revenue side, you can see what the budget was in the prior year, what we are proposing for the first year of the two-year budget, fiscal year 24, the change from 23, what we are proposing for the second year, fiscal year 25, and then the change from fiscal year 24. So notable items on this slide are interest and in investment income. It may seem strange that 
interest would be going up when it is tied to fund balance, which is going down. This is an item controlled by controller's office, so they will be reducing that later on in the budget process, but we were unable to change it for now. The next line is the most important charge for services. This is the majority of the department's revenue. Again, as, as previously discussed in the prior meeting, we are projecting a reduction in our revenue of about 18%. We feel like this is conservative. In the event of a recession, we expect revenues to fall. We are hopeful that this will not be the case and that this is a worst case scenario, but we felt that it was in, in consultation with controller's office and mayor's office that it was appropriate to budget uh, and plan for a significant decrease in revenue. And then the last line, which I will talk about further in more detail is use of fund balance. You can see how much we have been using prior in prior year, 34.5 million, proposed fiscal year 24, almost 34 million. And fiscal year 25, this looks like a significant reduction. This is, for now, uh, the remainder of the department's fund balance and not enough to balance the budget on its own, but that will be discussed later in the presentation. Next slide, please. So again, here are some highlights. As previously discussed, no policy decisions have been made. We're really waiting for the results of our fee study to conclude in April before making revenue decisions, fee increase decisions, and we will uh, review those with, with the commission and with the mayor's office and um, adjust the revenue side of the budget and decrease use of fund balance in a few months. Next slide, please. Moving to the expenditure side, I will show two views. This is a very high level by division of the department's expenditure budget. One, one thing to note about this is there was a lot of cleanup and movement between divisions. So the next slide, expenditures by category may be a better view to look at. It's many large items were moved between divisions. So for example, in inspection services, you can see a large change, $14 million reduction in the first year of the budget. That's not really a reduction in inspection services expenditures. We're just moving those to administration. So instead of charging inspection service is a portion of the rent we pay. We're just consolidating that in administrative services. So you can see the totals by division, but the most useful uh, view here is just the grand total and the overall change. So we are doing our best to uh, be stewards of public dollar and we are reducing expenditures by about $6.5 million in the first year. In the second year, you'll see a large reduction, $7 million. That is somewhat misleading because we have a one-time deappropriation of continuing funds. That is a negative expenditure of $9 million. Um, accounting for that, 
the true the what I would consider the true ch expenditure change between fiscal years 24 and 25 is this negative seven plus nine so expenditures are expected to grow by two million dollars and that is almost all a result of just mandatory COLA changes that the city has negotiated in its labor agreements. So we'll see that on the next page. Next slide, please. Here is the same total expenditure for uh, our budget proposal, but by category instead of by division. So we can see the various expenditure categories that the department uses, salaries and fringe benefits. This is a more representative view of what is happening. We can see that labor, our labor costs are growing. We are not proposing to cut staff. We are, as you'll see in the next highlight slide, we are substituting upwards some positions. We are making some permit tech twos into permit tech threes in order to meet the mayor's office directive to reduce uh, permit approval times by 50%. We are proposing to add a few new positions um, in code and, and, and to manage some of the various programs that are have started and will be starting soon, ABE, concrete building, BORB, et cetera, et cetera. We are proposing a few new code enforcement positions and um, really a business analyst to help us continue to put our services online, make our services more accessible, streamline our business processes, all in an effort to reduce um, service delivery times and improve access to services. Uh, in non-personnel services and materials and supplies, these are largely the department's discretionary spending. We are making reductions, we are reducing what we can and putting off spending on various things as much as we can. We are uh, drastically reducing things such as uh, the replacement of our computers and our office equipment until hopefully the economic situation improves. One major highlight here that I believe members of the public and the commission is very interested in is the city grant program. So these are the various community-based organization um, services budget that the department has, we are leaving that untouched and we are assuming that DBI will continue to fund fully in the same amount uh, the services that we have been providing. Services of other departments, we are working with the mayor's office and other city departments to reevaluate the services that other departments are providing to DBI and making reductions where appropriate. We have reduced that by a significant $3.2 million in the first year of the budget. And then the very last line here, you can see programmatic project. These are continuing budgets that we feel the department either our excesses from old projects or work that the department can put off to further date. So we are going to deappropriate it. It shows up as a negative expenditure in the budget, which is functionally effectively the same as a revenue, but may distort things. So you'll see that the 
in fiscal year 25, the total budget, $79.2 million, really it's best to think of that as $88.2 million because that is a one-time one reduction and then in fiscal year 26, that will no longer be there. So it will, the expenditure will return to um, that amount. Next slide, please. So some highlights include a $1.3 million, as I discussed, material and supplies, non-personal <coughs> services reduction. These are professional services and physical um, small, small supplies. We have a $4.4 million increase in labor, of which $3 million is mandatory COLA increases. I will provide some more detail in, in further, in future slides. The, again, the $5.2 million of community-based organization grants are still assumed to be funded entirely by DBI and the amount is unchanged. A $3.1 million reduction in services of other departments, assessor fire, mayor's office of disability. We are continuing to work with the city administrator who is our largest provider of services. We pay them rent for the building, we pay them for permit center services, and we are evaluating DBI's share of those costs and trying to reduce where we can. Next slide, please. Moving on to positions, here are, this slide shows the FTE and the dollar budgets the proposed dollar budgets for our three divisions, inspection services, permit services, and admin services. You can see the changes. And once again, significant cleanup has happened. So positions that may have been budgeted in, a, in one division that were working there many years ago were never changed, and so we are moving, we, we moved positions to the appropriate division. You'll see that admin services uh, is reducing by 20, almost 21 FTE. And that is, we're, we're not losing 21 people. We're not letting anybody go. There are no labor reductions. This is a technical change reflecting that we are moving positions that were originally at some point in the past budgeted ad and admin services into the divisions where employees are actually working. We are also increasing our attrition. Um, and again, this is a technical change. It doesn't have a dollar impact, but it does reduce the amount of budgeted and funded FTE. So the amount of hiring authority that the the department has is not changing and is in fact increasing, but the amount of funded FTE is going down. What really this means is that we have, it is to reflect the fact that we have fewer people working and they are more expensive per person than in the previous year's budget. And that reflects the reality of today at DBI. In the past, things like premium pay were under budgeted. So instead of having um, 10 people working at 100,000 a person, we have eight people working at 125,000 a person. So it is a technical change 
and the number of staff is not going down. However, the dollar amount is going up. As I will discuss in the next slide, some substitutions that are required are happening that will make the average position at DBI more expensive. Next slide, please. So as I mentioned, the, the primary change is substituting upwards eight permit tech twos to permit tech threes. This, as previously described in the previous meeting, was a union issue where one classification of workers in the past was changed from a clerical role into permit tech twos. And in that change, permit tech twos, those employees lost the ability to supervise staff. So the previous classification was able to supervise. Permit tech twos are able to lead staff, but they cannot supervise per uh, their MOUs. And so in order to maintain the same organizational structure we have and to keep the number of supervised staff per supervisor manageable, we, propose, we are proposing to uh, substitute upwards these eight Permatech twos to Permatech threes. The next new change is two new certified access specialist inspect, inspectors, CASPs, and I'd like to point out that there is no new cost to these two new positions because this was, this used to be a work order with Mayor's Office of Disability. We were paying them for, uh, these, these employees were, or Mayor's Office of Disability had CASP inspectors. We were paying them, uh, Mayor's Office of Disability, we were paying their salaries, and Mayor's Office of Disability was collecting, was doing inspections and collecting revenue. So it is required by the building code that DBI has a disability access unit. And so we are proposing to add inspectors to DBI's budget, eliminate the work order, eliminate the money that we are paying to Mayor's Office of Disability, and then the revenue that they were, that Mayor's Office of Disability was collecting will now be coming to DBI. So these positions should come at no net new cost. We should be collecting additional revenue to support them. As previously mentioned, we are proposing to add new positions. These are an inspector, a permit tech, an associate engineer, and a senior analyst. These are to help us administer our various programs, ABE, plumbing, plan review. Uh, that is a, a function that currently is not, is, is very understaffed in the department and, and causes many delays. And for the analyst, really helping to streamline our, our permit processes, review our business processes. We're in the process, we're working with the city administrator and digital services to uh, make some of our paper forms electronic, put them online, make those accessible online, and just in an effort to increase transparency and increase accessibility of service and decrease service times. 
We feel this is very important and the only way that we will be able to meet the mayor's directive to reduce permit issuance and approval times by 50%. We are also converting some temporary positions to permanent positions. So three permit tech twos and one um, HR analyst position. So we endeavor to use permanent PCS staff and to have PCS, permanent civil service hiring processes whenever possible. This is the best thing for the city and for the staff at DBI to have protected statuses. Uh, it is the best thing for transparency to have open hiring processes that are open to everybody. And so the public, everybody in the public has a chance to apply. And um, this, this is a, a part of our reform measures. And the last item, as, as I mentioned before, there's a technical change where we are increasing attrition to pay for certain other changes. For example, as I had mentioned, uh, premium pay is, we were woefully under budgeted in premium pays. These are things um, like longevity pay, uh, bilingual pay. These were not accounted for in previous budgets, but the department is paying for them. So we increase the budget to realistic amounts that we are actually seeing and offsetting the expense of that by increasing attrition. So there's no dollar impact, but the number of funded FTEs drops. Next slide, please. So uh, expanding on the first slide more, our use of fund balance. Our use of fund balance in the first year of the budget is $33.8 million. That is how much we need to balance revenues and expenditure, to add to revenues to balance expenditures. And in the second year, there is not enough remaining fund balance to balance the budget. So we had to make two changes. 36.1 total was needed to balance. Assuming that we use 33.8 in the first year, there is only 12.9 remaining for the second year. So to cover that gap between the 12.9 and the 36.1, we did two things. We deappropriated $9 million of continuing projects. That money then returns to fund balance and can close the gap. And we are assuming, as previously discussed in the first budget meeting, $14.2 million of revenue that we currently have no plans for, but we are assuming that the results of the fee study will increase department revenue. So this is really a... Um, this is a, just a, a balancing number, and this will be revised in the mayor's phase after the results of the uh, fee study are known. Next slide, please. So next steps, I would just like to remind everyone that the official department budget submission is due next week, next Tuesday after the holiday, and we are currently making our budget entries now. We are translating this presentation into the budget system. There are various changes that may need to happen. There are some technical things with uh, revenue transfers and there may be 
requirements from controller's office, so things may look slightly different, but this presentation shows everything that is currently known. We will continue working with the controller's office, the mayor's office, throughout mayor phase, throughout all phases of the budget, especially when the results of the fee study are, are known. That will be a major discussion point and time for change and analysis. Last slide, please. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you, uh, Deputy Director Koskinen. Um, we will have uh, public comment first and then the commissioner discussion. So I just wanted to announce also for um, members of the public that are present, we do have a um, Cantonese Mandarin speaking interpreter available uh, as needed and public comment is going to be um, for two minutes as it appears we, we have uh, a good amount of speakers. Thank you. Good morning, my name is Jerry Durantler. I wanna thank Mr. Koskinen for his excellent budget presentation. We now have a much clearer understanding of the financial challenges facing DBI. The mayor recently announced strategies to accelerate construction in San Francisco by eliminating unnecessary fees. This will make DBI's fee problem worse. These changes are scheduled for May 1. It is unrealistic to believe the mayor will allow a substantial increase in permit fees that are required to balance the department's budget. Administrative expenses of $34 million exceeds the $19 million that are spent on plan checking and the $33 million of inspection service expense. Permit fees of $43 million can't support $34 million of administrative expenses. Director O'Riordan and the BIC need to re-engineer the operating process and systems at DBI. DBI and the BIC have been unwilling to make these changes over the last 10 years. Fighting change is no longer an option. Thank you. Next speaker. Um, may I ask how much time would we have if we um, also? Oh, you could talk into the microphone. How much time would we have if we have interpretation? Um, it's uh, four minutes, so okay. it's, it's two minutes per person, but okay. four minutes total. Good morning, everyone. Uh, interpreter speaking. Uh, oh. We don't need interpretation. Oh, you don't need, they okay. need interpretation okay. in the back. Thank you. Hello, 大家好,我叫Amy Dai,我是三百小中心的职员,我只要负责三房团结会的工作。我平时接触的家庭都是居住在三房,不适应民同埋低收入的家庭。我希望三房团结会可以继续留在DBI的预算,并且希望不好说感不满,因为DBI的基
，了解更多關於佢哋嘅建築狀況，記錄任何違規嘅行為，求了解呢啲問題，提供適當嘅維護同埋維修服務。我哋為我哋嘅散房提供講座同埋培訓，我哋每年都培訓三十個誒領袖，俾我哋嘅自客了解三環市。誒留意，俾佢哋明白，佢哋係有權係要求月子係維修嘅。我哋嘅舉辦呢啲，我哋仲舉辦咗好多社區外展活動，為社區提供重要嘅信息同埋資源。我哋用咗好多嘅時間喺散房嗰度，家庭話俾我哋知誒建築物嘅問題，以及我哋尋求我哋幫助。呢啲就係點解我哋嘅作為組織員嘅。工作點解咁重要？我同家庭建立咗信任，唔僅係因為我哋係同一種語言，仲嚟自相似嘅背景，仲係因為我哋真正改善佢哋嘅生活條件。當佢哋嘅樓宇出現咗問題，家庭會向我哋求助，我哋總係盡最大嘅努力係幫助佢哋。由於 DBI 嘅支持，我哋成功改善咗好多散房樓宇嘅條件。請繼續支持散房團結會呢個計劃，以便我哋更加繼續改改善家庭生活條件同埋提供基本嘅服務。多謝大家。Hi everyone, my name is Amy Dai. I am a community organizer from Chinatown Community Development Center and from SRO Families United Collaborative. I work with monolingual low-income families in Chinatown's single-room occupancies. I hope the Department of Building Inspection will allow SRO Families United Collaborative to stay in DBI's budget and will not reduce the budget for SRO families. Because DBI's funding is essential to our work to support SOL families. I have lived in an SOL that had major maintenance issues for four years. Through the help of organizers from SOLFU, other tenants and I learned that we could ask landlords to make repairs and we deserve the right to live in a safe building. And we also learned how to contact city inspectors. This was truly an empowering experience. I have been an organizer for seven years now. Every week, single occupancy organizers and I knock door to door to see how SL families are doing, learn more about their building conditions, document any co-violation, and promptly adjust these issues for proper maintenance and repair services. It takes a lot of time for families to trust us to tell us their problems in their buildings, and it takes a lot of trust for families to come to us for help. Therefore, I urge DBI to please allow us to stay in DBI's budget and continue to fund the SOL Families United Collaborative. Thank you. DBI的预算中，并希望不要削减拨款，因为散房家庭团结会的工作对我们散房低收入、缺乏英文水平的人是非常重要。两个月前，我们住处的热水器坏，有一个月的时间没有热水，影响我们的所有住客的正常生活。
呃不接听电话，不做任何配合。最后，我们找到散房团结会的帮助，通过散房团结会出面与房东协调，房东才改变了态度，并在散房团结会的监督下换了新的热水器，恢复了大家的正常生活。散房团聚会不仅在住房住房方面为我们提供服务，还亲自上门慰问我们，了解楼楼宇问题，提供讲座，还举办各种活动，缓解散房团结散房家庭的压力，并给未成年提供活动空间。散房团结会为我们散房家庭做的事情太多，在这短短的两分钟里，我们不能把这所有的帮助都讲出来。所以我希望各位委员会不要先减削减散房团结会的预算，因为你们的支持对。Hi, my name is Chen Mei Chao. I came to find out about Chinatown CDC through my building repair issues five years ago, and I joined the SRO Families United Collaborative through this incident. Today, I urge commissioners to allow SRO Families United Collaborative to stay in DBI's budget and do not cut the budget for SROFU. Because the work of SLFU has been doing is extremely important to us, people living in SLs with low income and minimal English proficiency. Two months ago, the water heater at our SL was damaged, and there was no hot water for a month, which had already affected the lives of every tenant living in the building. We called the landlord, but he immediately hung up on us as soon as he heard the word water heater, and he didn't even bother to pick up our calls later when we tried to call back. At the end, we got the help from the collaborative and do the organizers' help. And its coordination with the landlord, the landlord finally changed his attitude towards residents. The landlord eventually contacted maintenance people to replace the old heater with a new water heater. Everyone could finally live a normal life again. SO Families United Collaborative does not only provide services to help us better understand building regulations. Their organizers also visit us every week to learn more about building conditions. We also learn a lot about building codes through educational workshops. SO Families United Collaborative has given our SO families so much help and support. So that is impossible for me to list everything they have done for us in these two minutes. Lastly, I hope all commissioners can let SL Families United Collaborative to stay in DBI's budget and please do not cut the budget. Your support is very important to us. Thank you. Thank Thank you. 
都冇派人嚟維修，為咗所有人，誒、呃、為所有人造成好多嘅唔方便，特別係誒呢棟樓宇有住咗老人家同埋好多小朋友，呢、这個問題係一個安全隱患嘅問題。通過散房團結會嘅組織員多次向業主同埋同埋物業公司嘅人員去溝通，啊屋主終於就揾人嚟維修好地板，解決咗我哋散房嘅樓宇問題。因此我喺呢度請求樓宇檢查處唔好啊削減我哋散房團結會嘅撥款，我哋所有散房家庭。所有住喺散房嘅弱勢社群都非常需要散房散房團結會嘅服務，因為我哋語言唔通，啊，非常需要散房團結會呢個機構去幫助我哋，幫助我哋啊同業主溝通，同埋解決我哋啊維修嘅問題。請你哋繼續支持散房團結會，同埋支持散房家庭，多謝。Hello, commissioners. My name is Ai Lan Xie. I hope SO Families United Collaborative can stay in DBI's budget and our budget will not get cut. I have been living in an SO in Chinatown for six years. SO is not a healthy or ideal environment for children. My kid barely has any room for homework. Besides being super cramped, SO buildings often have building problems. For example, the SO building I live in had a maintenance issue. The hallway floor had many broken tiles for a long time. We had told our landlord about this issue multiple times, but the landlord did not send anyone to fix this issue, and this problem caused a lot of inconvenience and is not safe for all tenants. We have elderly people and children living in this building. And this problem is a serious safety hazard. Community organizers from SO Families United Collaborative communicated with the landlord and the property management company. Due their help, the landlord finally sent someone to fix the floor and solve our building problem. For this reason, I hope DBI, please do not cut our budget and allow SO Families United Collaborative to stay in your budget. All of our SO families and all the vulnerable populations living in SOs need. Need the collaborative services because our language barrier. We need organizations like SOFU to help us to communicate with landlords to solve our building problems. Please continue to support us. Thank you.大家好，我系华协中心嘅散房组织员黄春平。我希望散房团结会可以继续留喺楼宇检查处嘅预算中，并且希望唔好削减我哋嘅拨款。我做散房工作将近三年啦，喺呢三年中，我跟进咗一百
。咁除咗探訪之外啦，我哋都會同家庭一齊參加唔同嘅活動同埋學習培訓。通過多年嘅合作啦，我哋同散訪家庭建立咗一個信賴嘅關係，因為我哋喺同一個社區講相同嘅語言，散訪家庭可以唔使擔心語言及文化交流嘅障礙，可以無障礙咁樣使用我哋嘅服務。喺過去嘅合作中， DBI 同埋散訪團結會合作良好，一直致力於改善社區低收入家庭嘅住屋環境。因此，我再次喺度希望 DBI 唔好削減散訪家庭團結會嘅撥款，以及令到我哋可以繼續留喺誒流域檢查處嘅預算之中嘅。多謝。Hi everyone, my name is Chen Ping Huang, and I am a SRO community organizer from Chinatown Community Development Center. I hope SRO Families United Collaborative can continue to stay within DBI's budget and please do not cut our budget. I have been working as an SRO organizer for almost three years. I have followed up on 104 SRO building issues and I was able to solve 87 of them through direct communication with the property owner. We work with our housing counselors and the Department of Building Inspections to solve 17 of those building cases. During our regular weekly building visits, we would promptly report building safety hazards or amenity issues, educate SL tenants about building safety codes, and encourage them to report any building issues, and also encourage them to communicate with the landlord. Besides regular home visits, we would also provide workshop opportunities and activities for our families. We have successfully built a trusting relationship with SO families through years of working together. Because we are located in the same neighborhood and speak the same language, SO families can access our services without language and cultural barriers. DBI and SO Families United Collaborative have formed a solid and effective partnership in improving living conditions for low-income families in the community. Therefore, I hope SO Families United Collaborative can continue to stay in DBI's budget and please do not cut our budget. Thank you. Hello, 總係口頭答應維修，但係遲遲都唔見行動，俾我哋嘅日常生活造成好大嘅困擾。我知道華協中心係散房流遇問題嘅組織機構，所以我向佢哋尋求幫助。好幸運，我成為咗誒華埠散房團結會嘅家庭成員。華協中心嘅職員經常嚟我哋流遇探訪，同埋電話問候我哋。通過佢哋嘅努力，一直跟進同埋我哋嘅流遇管理員溝通。樓宇維修同埋安全隱患，好迅速咁樣得到處理。散房團結會幫助我哋改善惡劣居住環境嘅同時，仲舉辦好多培訓活動。通過培訓，我哋了解到住客嘅權益以及樓宇相關法規法規同埋如何防火防災。作為新移民嘅我哋，響團結會到
，亦都了解到美國嘅歷史文化，所以我哋更快適應呢度嘅生活。誒、呃，散房團結會帶領我哋散房家庭走出生活嘅困難，係我哋居住安居住安心嘅希望。所以我請求委員委員會唔好削減散房團結會嘅預算。Thank you。Hi, my name is Chai Ping Tan. I am a family living in an SO in Chinatown. Today, I urge DBI to let SO Families United Collaborative to be a part of DBI's budget, and please do not cut the collaborative's budget. Because we share communal bathrooms, showers, problems such as clogged toilets, leaking faucets, and poor sanitation happen all the time. Whenever we ask the building manager to repair the, these building issues, they would verbally agree to the repair, but never take any actions, which cause significant disturbance in our daily lives. I know Chinatown Community Development Center is part of the SO Families United Collaborative, so I often seek help from the community organizers. The organizers frequent our buildings for home visits. They work with us closely to follow up on building issues and communicate with our building manager. This has helped to solve building issues and safety hazards promptly. SOFU not only helps us improve our living, poor living conditions, but it also always provides a lot of training that helped me understand tenants' rights, building codes, fire prevention, and disaster preparedness. As a new immigrant, I learned so much about American history and culture and the collaborative that helps us better to, better to adapt the life here. SOFU has helped SO families tremendously. It gives us hope in our everyday lives. I am here to urge commissioners not to cut SO Families United Collaborative's budget and let SO Families United Collaborative to stay in DBI's budget. Thank you. Uh, 各位委員,早晨。大家好,我的名字叫許丹麗,我是住在華浮散房的家庭。我希望散房團結會可以繼續留喺 DBI 嘅預算，並且希望唔好大誒削減呢個撥款。誒前段時間我住嘅樓宇大房咧，大門口嘅燈一直都閃爍不停，誒不能夠保持正常嘅使用，導致我哋住户出入都相當之唔方便。因為本身樓宇嘅採光唔夠，一旦任何燈管損毀咧，都會導致烏黑一片，睇唔到。加上樓宇內嘅老人。小朋友居多。之前我家奶奶因為佢眼唔好，行上樓梯嘅時候咧就差啲差錯腳而跌親。啊，咁嘅行動行為咧係真係好危險。我哋亦都有嘗試聯繫我哋嘅房東，但都沒有得到回應。因為咧，所以我哋就諗到咗揾華協中心幫忙，因為佢哋有佢哋嘅中文職員以及佢哋嘅辦公地點離我哋嘅樓宇係非常之近嘅。一旦話俾佢哋聽咧，佢哋會即刻揾到業主，將我哋嘅問題反映，直到幫我哋嘅問題徹底解決。而且經常探訪我哋，誒詢問我哋住嘅樓宇情況，睇我哋是否需要幫助。最後咧，就通過華協中心嘅工作人員嘅幫忙同埋努力，啊，使我哋嘅燈管壞嘅情況咧，及時得以處理。真心。好感謝佢哋嘅幫忙，所以咧，我希望散房團結會可以繼續留喺 DBI 嘅預算入邊
。並且希望唔好削減撥款。多謝。Good morning, commissioners. My name is Dan Li Shi, and my family lives in Chinatown, Seoul. I hope Seoul Families United Collaborative can continue to stay within DBI's budget and please do not cut our budget. A while ago, our building's front door light had been blinking nonstop. It was and it was not functioning normally. This has caused great inconvenience for all tenants living here and was a safety hazard. The building doesn't have good lighting to begin with. So if the light bulbs were out, everything would be so dark. In addition, a lot of seniors and children are living in this building. My mother-in-law, she has eyesight problems. One time, she almost tripped while walking up the staircase. It was really dangerous. We tried to contact the landlord, but we received no response. So we got help from Chinatown Community Development Center because I knew they had Chinese-speaking staff who could help us, and their office location was close by. They coordinated with the landlord about a building issue, and staff would follow through until our building problem was solved. They would visit us to learn more about our building issues on a regular basis to see if we need any help. Through the help of CCDC staff, our building light bulbs got fixed in a timely manner. I'm thankful for the help. Please allow SO Families United Collaborative to stay in DBI's budget. And please continue to support us. Thank you. Thank you. 都會直接向管理公司要求維修服務，並且還提供咗好多社區嘅資源、計劃和培訓嘅機會俾我，真係好感謝佢哋嘅幫助。希望散房家庭團結會能夠留在 DBI 嘅預算中，並且不要削減撥款。我哋好多家散房家庭都需要佢哋嘅幫助。多謝。Good morning, everyone. My name is Wing Yi Fang. We are a family of five, and we live in an SRO unit in Chinatown. Today, I want to urge committee members not to cut funding to the SRO Families United Collaborative Program, but to keep it under DBI management. It is because we very much need the support and help from the SRO Families United Collaborative. The building where I live is very dilapidated. There are many problems that need to be repaired. <clears throat> we usually ask the management company for repairs. But the management company responds very slowly. Oftentimes, it takes them a long time before they would follow up on problems. Before there was a period of rainy days, my unit developed water leakage problems. 
When it rained heavily, I had to use a bucket to catch the water, and I have three small children. They want to play with the water, so from that I was very annoyed at the time. I then sought help from the organizers, and the problem was quickly resolved. During regular visits to our building, the organizers will take initiative to check and document conditions of the building. When they discover any problems, they'll make requests directly with the management company for repairs. They also offer a lot of community resources, programs, and training opportunities to us. I'm so grateful for their help. I hope the SRO Families United Collaborative Program remains in DBI's funding plan and that there, and that there will be no cut in its funding. Many of us SRO families are dependent on their help. Thank you. Hai 而是找藉口去延遲維修 对于散房项目而言,是非常有价值的财富。就正如六五六Pacific,我在探访中发现一个散房住客的房间的墙壁,烂了一个很大的窿,而他是只是用胶布做简单的处理。他的小孩子经常用手去挖那个窿,飞出
Regular visits to residents of SRO units also allow sharing of community information with everyone, checking current building conditions and documenting the problems. These services are very valuable assets for SRO projects. For example, during my visit of the building at 656 Pacific Avenue, I found a very large hole in the wall of a resident unit. The female resident used adhesive tape for a simple remedy. Her children often dug their hands into the hole, causing a lot of dust to fly out. Impact on health was significant. She, in fact, had reported to the landlord, but the landlord was very slow to respond. After I communicated with the landlord, the landlord finally reacted to deal with the problem. At the building at 614 Pine Street, the kitchen basin was leaking water and the stove was damaged. The hallway lights were defective. With our coordination, these building problems could finally be resolved. These are just two of many of the cases I have encountered performing my work as an organizer. There are many more I can't possibly share here. To sum up, I urge the committee not to cut our funding and to keep our program and your budget funding plan. Let us continue to serve the SRO residents and families. Thank you. Thank you. Gotwaitosan,我就是Tawenyula,还来自我,我想出尊为云,我想出尊为云,我想出尊为云,我想出尊为云,我想出尊为云,我想出尊为云,我想出尊为云,我想出尊为云,我想出尊为云,我想出
Our work not only helps to improve the quality of life for our SRO families, we also maintain regular communications with those families as well. Our relationship is like between family members and SRO families are very supportive of our work. I hope the supervision committee would not cut out our funding and rather would continue to keep our program in DBI's budget consideration. Thank you. Kaiwakabu 我就唯有向散房组织员寻求帮助因为有这样的服务,才可以改善我们的生活。Good morning, everyone. My name is Chu Ting Zhao. I have been living in an SRO unit in Chinatown for the past three years. Today, I would like to urge committee members not to cut funding for the outreach program of the SRO Families United Collaborative and to keep it under the management of the Department of Building Inspection. I say this because I'm grateful for the help this program has given me. In the SRO building where I live, the kitchen stove is often broken. I reported to the owner, but he always delayed it in getting repaired. I have two children, one of whom is only one years old. I have to use the stove frequently, so I have to get help from the SRO outreach organizers. I am a new immigrant. I feel very heartwarming having received help from the SRO Families United Collaborative. The organizers and I speak the same language, plus everyone is in Chinatown, so it is easy to communicate. The organizers will regularly inspect and document the condition of our buildings, and then they will report directly to the owner asking things to be repaired. They also regularly come for visit and they would talk with us. Our, life, our quality life improves because of their services. Thank you. Tai 增加我们用厨房的时间
，希望省房团结会可以继续留喺 DBI 嘅预算中，并且希望不要削减拨款。多谢。Hello, everyone. My name is Sujian Li. We are a family living in an SR unit in Chinatown. Today, I want to urge the committee not to cut funding for the SRO Families United Collaborative and to keep the group under the oversight of the building inspection department. The SRO building where I live has a communal kitchen shared by more than 10 families. The stove frequently malfunctions. Sometimes one of the burners stops working. Sometimes two fail to burn at the same time. When we notify building management for burner repairs, the wait time tends to be very long, effectively lengthening the time families need to wait for their turn to use the kitchen. It has brought us a lot of inconvenience in our daily lives. When we report the situation to an organizer of the SRO Families United Collaborative, the organizer communicates at the earliest possible time with management, resulting in a fast dispatch of maintenance personnel for the repair. I hope the SRO Families United Collaborative Program would remain in the Department of Building Inspections budget plan and that funding would not be cut as well. Thank you. Hello, 大家好，我叫雷永如，系华人进步会嘅省房组织员。感谢 DBI 一直以嚟对我哋省房团结会嘅工作嘅支持同帮助。咁我哋工作期間上門探訪誒散訪家庭，了解樓宇情況。我哋通過誒微信電話溝通，同散訪家庭建立一種關係。家庭通過我哋散訪團結會了解咗更多個住客權益。咁我記得有一次咧，通過電話聯繫家庭，了解到連續幾日落雨，有位家庭咧房間有漏水。咁佢打咗幾次電話，佢嘅管理公司都冇安排嚟人嚟收。咁散訪嘅實。誒房間咧非常之怯窄，已經冇地方夠用噶啦。咁再加上誒房間入邊有漏水，想想當時嘅情況，我哋我向家庭要咗管理公司嘅電話號碼，跟進聯繫管理公司，介紹咗自己係省房組誒省房團結會嘅組織員。我問你家庭嘅地址、房號、房間有漏水嘅情況同埋影響，管理公司嘅人。马上回应，安排维修人上门维修。我们散房团结会嘅工作对我哋散房家庭非常之重要性，希望散房家庭团结会可以继续留喺我哋 DBI 预算嘅中，并且希望唔好削减预算。多谢。Hello everyone, my name is Yong Yu Lei. I am an SRO organizer from the Chinese Progressive Association, and I would like to thank. The Department of Building Inspection for its long-term support and help to the work of our SRO Families United Collaborative. During our work, we visit families living in SRO units to understand conditions of the buildings, and we build relationships with SRO families through WeChat and via telephone communications. SRO families can get access to more information about tenants' rights through our SRO Families United Collaborative. I remember on one occasion, I called the families by phone and learned that because it had been raining for several days. One family had water leakages in their unit. Even though the woman resident had called the management company several times, the management company had not arranged someone to come to do the repair. An SRO unit in itself is small in size and not sufficient in space. Adding in the water leakages, you can imagine the situation. I asked the family for their phone number of the management company in order to follow up on the matter. 
I introduced myself to the management company as an organizer of the SRO Families United Collaborative, told them the family's address and unit number, and reported to them the, le the water leakage and extent of the impact in the unit. And the staff member of the management company responded saying that they would arrange to send maintenance personnel to the door to perform the repair immediately. Our SRO Families United Collaborative is very important to the SRO Families, and I hope that SRO Families United Collaborative will remain in the DBI budget funding plan and that the funding will not be cut. Thank you. So I will be the interpreter. So. Good morning. My name is Bi Xiaoni. I'm building coordinator living in the Chinatown. I'm here to urge the commissioner to keep Chinatown as our program stay in the DBI and funding the amount unchanged. Also,我发现散房治疗六年, I lived in the SRO unit for more than six years. In 2022, I joined the Building Coordinator Program in Chinatown CDC. I had learned so much knowledge through the lesson, like safety, like fire safety, disaster preparedness, tenants' right rule regulation in the SRO building, and how to reach out to the landlord when maintain issues were found. <laughs> Moi 都是在這個計劃帶給我的體驗 After the workshop, I add the bridge between my SRO building and our community. When there is anything happen in my SRO building, I can give CCDC a heads up. CCDC community organizer also let us know about the community news, event information through the recharge, mail, phone calls. I will then tell my neighbor and friends. Therefore, we can be more engaging the community. I can even speak up. For myself in the city hall today, there's this is all experience I had never had before I joined this program. I hope that more people can participate in this program to 
I hope more neighbors in the community join this program and engage the community activities. This program is not only helping the SRO tenant to learn the fire safety disaster, but also let me realize that we can contribute to the society. Hence, I really hope this program could stay in the DBI with unchanged amount for the funding. Thank you. Okay, good morning, Commission. So my name is Jackie, and I will be representing Yen Fan Liu, one of the senior SRO building at 1449 Power uh, Street. So firstly, she want to apologize that she is not able to attend this public's meeting, public's comment today, because she had the DBI task force inspection today, happened in his, her building. So she apologize here today. And also, this is why Ms. Liu want to appreciate DBI and also uh, to urge all the commissioner not reducing the CR program because without the CR program, this won't be happen today for the task force inspection. So last time, Ms. Liu always also stated that in, during the 2014, because the ownership changed, uh, the, the, their living condition is significantly decreased and the landlord is refused to uh, respond to tenant's requests, such as repairing or also providing better monthly pest control. But with the CRA program, Ms. Liu also seeking the system with the, without the language barrier to file step-by-step wide petition from the rent board, contacted the DBI, and also what happened today with the task for inspection with the city attorney. We, to helping assisting the, all the tenants inside the building. So last time, I want to state that uh, Ms. Liu have a sentence and statement. A comfortable living condition is what we're looking for. We want to get the respect, respect and also get the response for the landlord. But without the CR program assistance, we won't be able to do so much today. So again, Mr. Liu want, want to urge all the commissioners continue to further the CR program by continuing helping more residents in the different communities and to support more tenants in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Is there um, any virtual public comment? Hello, good afternoon. Thank you, commissioners and uh, public for joining. My name is Audrey Pulliam, and I actually work for the Department of Defense. I worked um, in San Diego on a document tracking system and um, of problems that they had on um, ships. And so um, I was going to implement that strategy to your problem. And what I was thinking was needs to happen is the landlords can put up the monies and account when they decide that they're going to have a building for rental. And therefore, the monies will be there to fix the things, and it will be a credit-worthy situation. And then, therefore, people will not be left hanging in, in, the, um, in the way. So what that is, is consumer fraud. It's these um, landlords and corporations are committing consumer fraud, and that's not something that DBI should be accommodating. And so... I think that the um, by DBI not um, assessing fees on on these um, 
and going through the rigmarole of the documentation and all these things that they skipped ahead to just make sure the job got done. So with, with that thought, I was thinking an automated system with a multi-level um, plan of, you know, the landlords just um, putting that documentation via photos into a data entry system and you can have a data entry system for each address where the tenants can put in the, doc, the um, quotations as well as the landlord. Because as it is right now, it's, it's, um, it's a one-sided document on the DBI website. And so um, they're accommodating landlords and not tenants. And that's why you have all these angry people coming uh, thank, to speak Thank to you, you for your comment. May I catch you again? Please conclude well, your comment. You. Okay, thank, thank you. you. There's one additional person. Hi, my name is Becky Hom. I am the Contracts and Services Director at Gauzos to Just Cause. I want to thank you for keeping the community-based organizations in your budget, and I want to encourage this commission to recommend that the mayor raise fees to pay for full service, uh, full services of this department, um, so that uh, they, you all can continue to pay for community-based organizations um, in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much for everyone in attendance and our public, uh, public comment is closed for item nine. I'd like to suggest to the commission to take a five minute break and then we can come back and talk about agenda item number eight. Nine. It, okay. Nine, yeah. Okay. Oh, nine, sorry. Okay, okay. thank you, we will. Uh, take a, a, a five, ten minute break and uh, reconvene momentarily.
Hello, everyone. Thank you. Again, this is the Building Inspection Commission. We are on agenda item number nine, and uh, we will have our uh, commissioner discussion and deliberation. Um, I wanted to, uh, I think Commissioner Cham wanted to say something. Uh, yes, actually, I, I wish the uh, party would have stayed, but I just wanted to, in, in Cantonese or native tongue, uh, Okay. Yeah. Basically, I just thanked everybody for being, um, you know, being here and sharing their experiences with us, and we we do appreciate that. So, hope they're watching and listening. I thought they would stay and hear this through. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, I wanted to open up the discussion to um, the commission, um, but I'd like to say it's hard to hear. Uh, uh, instance after instance of, you know, all of these violations, but um, so, you know, having an elderly mother, like, and the, the, the thing that, that, uh, that I wanted to highlight about those comments is that the people that can't speak, which are elderly people, um, probably could make it here today. So I wanted to also thank them for their input. Um, but on that note, though, I also wanted to uh, clarify, if Alex, if you could step up, if you don't mind, just to be absolutely clear and explicit about it, are, is DBI cutting the CBO program? Maybe you should turn on your... Okay. Okay, there we go. No. So I don't know how the misinformation that DBI is doing so, uh, and, you know... But that is not happening. So I think that that message, you've made it very clear in the last meeting. You've made it very clear in this meeting. Um, I also want to applaud DBI for, it's very difficult to deal with money on any level, whether that's personal or professional. But the, the, the lengths and the steps and the detail that you've provided in your last presentation and this presentation is, um, laudable you've outlined that you know even though the FTE has reduced over the years that you've projected it's not a reduction in staff it's uh, about uh, increasing or elevating uh, certain staff capacity so that they're able to serve the community better and uh, DBI so I wanted to highlight that as part of your presentation and being responsible for, for balancing a difficult budget based on what's uh, happening right now in the city. So that, with that in, you know, opening, I wanted to open this up to the commissioners for discussion or questions. Commissioner Toot. Should be on now. It's on the screen. Okay. It's on now. Not on my screen. It's on now. Oh, that's why. Oh, okay. You're good. What do I do, though? Oh, you're good. You're on. No, no, she doesn't. No, I just have a code. It's asking you for a code. You need to give her a code. If you yeah, I, I can log in her screen, but we can hear her speak. So. Okay, you can hear me speak. That's yeah. fine. Okay, thank you. So um, thank you for this budget, and thank you for the presentation. Um, I... I want to just say for anyone who is historical knowledge, we usually get a budget sheet that says, like, 
you know, this is like all the information that is here is in a one pager and I have double checked the line items with the presentation and it is true that every line item that is traditionally in that one sheet of paper is also in here. So we do have all the information that we generally have historically had. It's just, it's in a different presentation. And so I wanted to, if anyone is thinking about that as I was kind of curious about that myself. Um, so thank you for that. It is actually, it is the full budget in a, in a slideshow, <laughs> which is, um, uh, and it is, it is well, it is well documented and well explained. I um, recognize that the, there is, uh, there is a, a new kind of way of reflecting. I'm looking on page eight, the FTEs and I want to confirm, as my understanding is that this does not mean that there are any, this is not an implied hiring freeze, and this is, there will not be layoffs as a result of this, these line items. Is that correct? Correct. This is a technical change to, to reflect budgeted and funded FTE. Our hiring authority remains the same for existing positions and will hopefully increase with the proposed new positions. Thank you. Um, I... I have no further questions. I do have a comment. I need to start with my disclosure, which is that I previously worked for the code, an organization that was funded by the Code Enforcement and Outreach Program through DBI, and I maintain um, personal and uh, relationships with some of the people who both receive the services from the CEP program and also um, provide those services. And I just want to thank the folks who came here um, to and presented their stories and to thank the staff for um, including that in the budget uh, and, and highlighting that for, um, for the public to understand that it is included in the budget. So thank you. Commissioner Summer. Thanks. I just wanted to thank you for the presentation. I thought it was really clear. The, the way you explained everything was really helpful. Um, I, I mean, I think the, the difficulty probably as the receiver of this information and, and perhaps the public has is that obviously, you know, th there are issues um, shown, reflected in this budget that, that are not resolvable right this moment. Um, and, you know, everybody wants to resolve things right this moment. Um, so that's obviously not happening because it cannot and you know we we, we will stay tuned and, and hear from you in future meetings about how that evolves and, and what will be happening down the line so um, I appreciate your presentation and the you know the way that you have skillfully presented this information um, and sort of explained to us the process thank you Commissioner Shadix Thank you, President Beto. Um, Alex, I just wanted to say thank you for the presentation. It was spot on. I get it. I got it um, all the way through. You did a very, very good job of explaining it all. And thank you for clarifying um, not cutting that uh, inspection program out of the budget. I, I thought we weren't doing that. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And I want to thank all the folks that showed up, of course, to advocate keeping that funded in. So thank you again for the presentation. I would like to make a request of Commissioner Toot, because of your close association with some of these nonprofits, maybe communicate to them that these aren't being cut. I mean, I think your disclosure, I think, speaks volumes that, you know, you've had a close relationship with these people in the past, making sure that they understand the information that they're getting. Um, and that also I would balance that out that, um, you know, part of this effort is for DBI to responsibly 
you know, balance their budget, but it hasn't included, and they've repeated this a number of times, that it's cutting the CBO. Um, on that final note, though, is I think that listening to the feedback from the SROs, I mean, it's very difficult to hear, but I would surmise that it probably gives DBI even greater resolve to deal with these violations that we've heard um, going forward and the notices that we receive. So I would presume that that would be certainly is not falling on deaf ears at DBI, but they would continue to make that a priority to, to work with these organizations. I have no further questions. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Is there, if there's no further questions, then uh, would anyone like to make a motion uh, regarding uh, adopting the department's budget? Uh, I'll make a motion to approve the budget. Is that the? Second it. Or, Deputy City Attorney Rob Kaplan, I think the uh, motion would be motion to recommend uh, submitting the proposed budget to the mayor. Uh, I'd like to make a motion to recommend submitting the budget to the uh, mayor's office. I'd like to second that motion. Okay, so there's a motion by uh, President Beto and a second by Vice President Tam. I'll do a roll call vote on that motion. President Beto? Yes. Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Alexander Toot? Yes. Commissioner Summer? Yes. Commissioner Shaddix? Yes. Okay. The motion carries unanimously. Okay. Next we have item 10, um, update regarding the Client Services Subcommittee. Good morning, President Beto, members of the commission. My name is Neville Pereira. I'm the deputy director overseeing permit services. I'm here to um, give you a brief overview of the, uh, the project we, that has no name really. It's the site permit reform pro, um, process for now. Uh, it's ever evolving. So the next slide. What we'll talk about today is a brief overview of what the project, has, some milestones, and then go into some detail on the process changes that we're proposing. Next slide. So the the goal of this this project is to create a, a delineation between um, the high level design, environmental, and entitlement process that we attribute to the planning department. And then, um, and the, the construction document review process, the construction permitting process that we attribute to the building department and other agencies associated with that process. Our strategy is to re redefine the current process that we, we know as the site permit process um, and create a streamlined um, process that's geared towards the planning department. Next slide. In order to do this, we'll, um, we have studied and adopted current best practices 
of similar jurisdictions, or that we've looked at them and we're in the process of adopting them. The planning uh, department will certify the project prior to construction review. So all of those discretionary review, as well as zoning checks and, and all of that, from a massing and site perspective, will be done prior to um, a, an individual applying for a building permit. And in order, to, in order to do that, we need to look at current um, codes, San Francisco building codes, uh, planning codes, and other legislative changes to make this happen. Next slide. So the last time I spoke about this, uh, we, we were in the, in the phase one um, stage of our current project where w we went out, surveyed other jurisdictions. Uh, the ju jurisdictions are, are listed here. Uh, City of Oakland, San Jose, Sacramento, Los Angeles, Long Beach, and San Diego. These are um, jurisdictions that have this similar um, either population or uh, building inventory in their, uh, in their jurisdictions, tall buildings, uh, high density housing, uh, as well as uh, you know, some suburban housing. Looked at their uh, current practices um, and looked to adopt the best practice out, out of those cities. Uh, we concluded that effort in and around the end of November last year and we've, we began phase two, which is looking at legislative technolo um, legislation, technology, stakeholder outreach, looking at internal policies and procedures and training. So we're in the process of coloring the lines now as we, we've developed the, the framework of phase two. Next slide. So this slide outlines the targeted improvements. As you can see, for simple and moderate projects, these are projects that are uh, generally over-the-counter, that OTC is an acronym for over-the-counter improvements with uh, no change of use, things like kitchen remodels. Uh, these are very simple projects, sometimes no plans associated with them. And then other um, more complex projects uh, or, or moderate projects, which don't have a high planning um, review. These are essentially state programs or in interior uh, remodeled projects where planning doesn't really have a high stake in the game and they, their, their um, review is relatively um, brief. Those types of projects, simple and moderate, essentially remain the same as they are today. Complex projects, on the other hand, these are projects that have a high uh, dependence on planning review for massing environmental and other discretionary type of uh, um, review. Though that process will change um, to hopefully streamline and get simpler. Next slide, please. So this may be difficult to read, but from a, a a uh, macro perspective, you can see that the top line represents the current process with several stages in it, um, it's about 10, 10 steps in it, very simplified. And it's, uh, we're showing portions of that um, procedure being uh, either combined or, or, or uh, canceled altogether 
to reach the proposed process, which is the second line below, which has about eight steps in it. I'll just briefly go over the current procedure and then what we're proposing. So currently, um, this entire process is encompassed by the building permit process uh, or the, yeah, the, building, uh, the building permit itself. So we intake the plans and the application and then immediately send it over to the planning department who goes through the exact same process of logging it in and administratively entering it into their, um, their system. So it's a duplicate process right there. We're looking to, um, uh, to eliminate that duplicity, or oh, so the, so the, um, the um, redundance there. And then planning essentially takes it in and goes through their review cycle um, and they render a decision. At the same time, um, there's a light or preliminary agency review uh, by the other agencies, uh, including building, fire, public works, and so on. This is known as a site permit review, where it's a very high level uh, review from the other agencies, but planning goes into it very deeply. And at the end of that process, they'll, they render a decision as to whether to approve or, or deny the, the site permit. What, what happens then, uh, if, they approve, if they approve the site permit process, it then goes into an appeals period, where it's uh, uh, appealed to the Board of, um, Board of Appeals. And essentially, um, that is the end of the site permit process, which is a a permit to entitle the project, but not a permit to build. The applicant then comes in with what we call an addenda to that site permit, which are essentially the construction drawings, and then go through the building permit uh, review, again, with a, a very light touch of, of planning, just to make sure that the, the building continues with the de design intent, very detailed review by all other agencies, eventually, culminating in the approval of those addenda. That addenda process itself is not um, not always appealed. It, it, from what I understand, it, it is sometimes appealed, appeal, but people generally understand that that's the construction aspect of the project and it's gen generally not appealed, so I don't show an appeal at the end of that. The proposed process looks to completely bif bifurcate the um, this administratively as well as from a review perspective. So instead of DBI initiating the whole process with a building permit this time, the planning department will take in uh, the application and process it, its review in their, in their own shop in, entirely. They will get within the first 30 days or so while the, the project is, is going through that period of uh, being deemed complete, they will outreach to the other departments to get um, a preliminary review, much that, like they do today, but the timing is such that it's condensed. So essentially, when they're able to um, render a decision whether the application is deemed complete, they already have the input of the other agencies at that time. They will then go through their review, very detailed uh, planning review, and uh, render a decision, again, either to approve or deny that application. And at that, process, uh, at that time, it will be a, a appealable at that, at that um, stage 
we haven't determined what to call this process yet, whether to keep the name the site permit, whether it's a, a planning certification or planning permit. But nonetheless, it's a discrete and, and finite process essentially that um, essentially gives the applicant what I call a golden ticket to move forward to the, um, the construction permitting side of things. At that point, uh, once they, they get their construction drawings prepared, they will apply for a building permit, go through the regular building permit review process, and issue a building permit at that end, at the end of this. We're currently working out the, the logistics of this with the help of the city attorney's office about the, the appeals period um, at the end of a building permit itself um, and you know that's that's information to come in the future we haven't figured that out yet so that's um, that's my synopsis of this uh, and an update on the site permit reform process I'm here to answer questions I'd like to start off by thanking um, uh, Deputy Director Neville for putting a concise uh, slide deck t uh, together. This is an, uh, a project that uh, that you've been working on with, with planning um, that could go into so much detail, but I think to sort of prime the commission on understanding, which we've had discussions about this in the client services, is that it's counterintuitive to think that you know, one process, a site permit that would go through the building department would be, um, would take longer than a process that you're bifurcating. But the, the confusion about the site permit process right now and, and getting a planning approval is that it's just, it's under a building permit. It's not under a planning permit. So I just want to be clear with the commission about what the what what you're really proposing here. The very the very basic thing that he's proposing is that a site that a planning permit a planning permit is going to be a standalone process, and the big piece to that is that's the and typically that's a discretionary project because it's affected by the design and zoning, the envelope, all, all a, a host of issues that are related to planning, planning, is re, planning review. When it's completed with planning and it receives uh, an approval, a formal approval, goes through the appeal period, and that applicant can move into a building permit, that building permit now is it, uh, what, what DBI is anticipating as well as planning and as well as the state is looking to make that process ministerial. So that won't be discretionary any longer. And it's a much clearer, uh, it's a much clearer path for people uh, processing a building permit to understand that that's a building permit. The part that's confusing right now is that a planning permit under site permit goes through the building department and it's a and it's a building permit not a planning permit and you know just just to keep the the commission informed we've discussed this um, at length uh, uh, at the client services meeting just to get a number of the commissioners um, up to speed on the you know discussions that I've had with President Tanner on on their priorities and also uh, getting updates or status and, and asking questions on where we are in the process um, 
this is something that you know we anticipate and hope that in the next month or two we can have a joint commission um, trying to understand what we want to get out of that commission um, still needs to be discussed and it'd be good to hear from my fellow commissioners what they'd like to get out of that as well but I think this is a, a uh, an agenda item and something that I would want to continue for, well, I shouldn't say that right now, well, that's for the next agenda, but um, just to keep the commission apprised and abreast of the information, because I think if you're, if we have a, you know, a joint commission and you're sort of thrown all this information at once, it's really, it's really hard to get your bearings without understanding some really basic things. And I think the thing that um, Deputy Director Neville has done is create a baseline of what that that two-part process would look like. Am I am I speaking out of turn on anything, or do you agree no, with all that? Okay, that's perfect. So I've, I've said my opening remarks on that piece. So I wanted to open this up to other commissioners for questions. Through the through the chair, Commissioner Tam. Yeah, thank you, Deputy Director. Um, I I think I've expressed this in the uh, committee meetings that I think this is leaps and bounds, and I think. I did have a question with regards to the process here. When the light all agency review cycle happens, so the other agencies have their, their input, is that shared with the stakeholder? It, it is. Okay. Yes. Um, originally, when the site permit process uh, was created years ago, it really, it, it, it really helped, and over time, I think it evolved into something it wasn't meant to be, and this light or preliminary uh, review ended up being a very detailed review in some cases, and so it became a duplicate review. Right. Um, you go through the one time, and then you get a, a duplicate, uh, very detailed review again, and so that's one of the those are one of the, that's one of the things that we try to change. So that's that's one. I mean, I, I told you I've gone through planning process for CEUs and different things, and. This would definitely be way more efficient if, if all the logistics gets worked out. So I'm excited. Thank you. Commissioner Summer? I have a question. Um, at what point, and maybe I should know the answer, but I don't, at what point in the current process versus the proposed process does the building code get locked in? So that's, I, I had a conversation with my counterpart in planning um, last time I mean, just just yesterday, actually, and uh, that's one of the, the concerns about uh, from the industry. My my take on this is that it should be at the building permit application process. Uh, the perception from the industry, from what I've heard so far, is that well, oh, wait a minute, you've got this preliminary light review at the planning permit process, so what are you basing that on? It's, it's the, the code at that time. Obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll be um, talking with our city attorney, and it sounds like he, he may have something to add up to this. Deputy City Attorney Rob Kaplett, as, as you can imagine, we've talked about um, in, in prior subcommittee meetings, the is a complicated interweave between our local building code, our charter, and the California building code, the mandates that we have going forward. And the fact that um, this historically site permit has been a, a building permit to kick things off, there are advantages to that that we are trying to make sure we, we maintain um, and don't inadvertently stop. So certainly right now, the site permit under the current process would be the lock-in point for the building code 
um, if we bifurcate this, there is a chance of adding additional peels to the permits, uh, peels afterwards. And then of course, which building code do you apply if the building permit application as opposed to the site or initial planning permit is the kickoff date. So there are a lot of moving pieces here to try and determine, but I, um, we need to actually determine what the departments want to do, what is the stakeholder input on this, um, but primarily this will be driven by the potential for adding an appeal point that doesn't currently exist or removing an appeal point that currently is necessary under our charter. I have a question to that question is that in, in other jurisdictions, what is, what is standard practice? The, the standard practice is to have the building code locked at the point of building permit application and not the entitlement process. So there's some ex expectations um, in other jurisdictions. If you have a very complex project that's running for years, that the building code that your project um, studied that that uh, project or design and and project description could change with the next building code cycle because unless you submit a building permit at that time, which is not likely if you're still processing a planning permit. It's typically locked in at a building permit at the time that you apply and pay your fees for a that's, building permit? That's correct. Uh, and, and I like to characterize this um, as when you're going through the entitlement process, the environmental review and, and all of that, really, you're really talking about the building as a mass, right? A block of whatever, stone in the middle of a um, the, the property, and you're looking at aesthetics and, you know, the, the impact on traffic and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so the impact of the building code itself is really uh, based on height and area, overall uh, openings on the property lines and, and, and proximity to other buildings. It's a very um, holistic view of the building. Those provisions in the code don't typically change or have not changed in decades because they're essentially locked in. And so designers who may be concerned about, well, locking in the building code uh, should be assured of the fact that the, the massing of the building and all of that is, um, is, is really almost guaranteed not to change in, in subsequent code cycles. The, the, the adjustments that are made on a triennial basis during the construction permitting phase are really on the micro level and not really on the macro level. Commissioner Tu, did you have a question? Yes, thank you. Um, overall, I'm, I'm very intrigued by this, this process. I do have one question um, kind of related to uh, slide number six in terms of where, uh, you know, how simple projects and moderate projects, their process will remain the same and the complex projects are going to adapt to the new process. What is the, what, is, what will it look like if somebody comes into the building inspection with a more complex process? Um, will they be immediately told to go to planning or, you know, how is, how will that, if, if there's anything that's like, is there a gray area here that people might, you know, have to, there might be some decisions that you made or is it, is it a very, is it all very, very clear? And one of my, my question, and then kind of in, in part of that, is it always really clear what's an ADU versus an additional unit? Yeah, um, is it all, let me deal with the last part of it first. Is it always clear whether it's an ADU or as an additional unit? Um, I've been dealing with ADUs in other jurisdictions right from the, 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 uh, the genesis of this, and it was very clear. In fact, building departments got together and tried to figure this out uh, very early on. It had, that happened here, and it, it, it evolved into, into something a little bit different in that, uh, and I, 
and I understand how it, how it would evolve, but here an ADU is looked at as an additional unit and it's kind of recorded as such. Recent legislative changes have told the building department very explicitly it's not just an additional unit, it's, it's something else. And so we're, we're making adjustments for that right now in our system. Um, regarding the first part of your question there, uh, when somebody walks into the building department, uh, is it really clear what, what type of uh, project would it have a simple moderate or complex project or between a moderate and complex project? All of these have some element of uh, planning touching them. Like for example, the, moder uh, the moderate projects, uh, if they're over the counter or even if they're submitted, always have someone at planning um, essentially guiding that applicant right from the beginning. Um, whether this they're going to have a heavy review or or, or a light touch, um, that will continue, and so all of these um, uh, projects uh, or project applicants will have guidance, very clear guidance as to where they they stand. the The simple moderate projects are um, very easily identified. If there's uh, some expansion of the floor area, height, or appearance of the building, that usually means it's a, it's a more detailed review by the planning department. I have a follow-up, if I may. So we know that we have seen um, in permits just, you know, um, it, a few little permits, right, kind of add up to, uh, you know, um, I'm sorry, my, my non-technical experience is showing right now. But the, when, uh, if there can be multiple permits that if you look at them individually, they look, you know, that, that they can go through one level of process. But if you looked at them holistically, um, they would have had gone to a higher level of review process. And um, thank you for your, your grace in helping me fill out those, um, the, the terms correctly. But the, uh, so is there a, is that something that could also happen in this process? Or like what would happen if you had a series of, like is, is it possible that you would have a series of permits and then at like the fourth permit you say, oh gosh, it should have gone through a different review process? What would happen in those kinds of scenarios? So that, that's highly unlikely just because again, the, the planning department are really the, uh, the switch, the binary switch. Yes, this involves us uh, quite a bit or no, it doesn't involve us. Um, and that the, that moderate stage in between, in which case they're looking at it from the beginning, and they'll say, "Yes, I can sign this off right away." You 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 go in, um, accessory dwelling units, for example. When those come in, um, they're like big flashing lights at DBI and planning, and say, "This is a concurrent process. You need to submit because of the um, expedited nature of that review. Everyone gets to look at it at the same time. Planning has a very light touch on that." Um, so is there a, a is there a possibility of that happening there's always a possibility where you know you get down the road and you realize oh gosh you know this should be a different process but again the deputy uh, director that possibility would could also happen on the applicant's part you right. know where you're actually changing the project description or your application, and, and it would change the, the nature of your review. So it's not just entirely on DBI's discretion to say something is uh, more complex or more simple. It's also based on this, the size and the description of the project. Is that correct? That, that's true. Uh, we have built in measures, um, Com Commissioner Toot, uh, to have a real plan checkers, senior plan checkers, look at it at the point of uh, application. 
So they're opening up the plans instead of somebody just taking in the plans and three months later or, you know, six weeks later saying, oh, you know, we should not have taken that. So we're, we're, we're looking at it immediately upon submittal with plan checker eyes to make those determinations to make sure it doesn't happen. Thank you. And then if somebody changes, if there's a change or if there's someone that, re if we realize that it should have gone through this other process, what, what would we do? So if, if somebody, you know, comes in and you're like, okay, you're, you're moderate, you know, keep, you know, keep going on your way. And then we realize actually down the line, this is actually a larger change. Would they, would the, pre would the, would the current, would the process stop? And then we would start, we would refer them to planning or would we continue ourselves like okay. on the as if it was moderate but kind of treating it in the middle because it's now become complex yeah so the, the moderate process always starts with starts with planning so they're the they're again the binary switched um, either they will approve it right there for processing as a moderate project or they will make the determination no it needs to be taken in so it's not like uh, moderate projects get to apply for a building permit and just move in and, and start moving down the track they have to stop at the planning information uh, counter um, to get that approval to move forward. Commissioner Chute, if you do, you have any of the further questions? Commissioner Tam has one. Commissioner Tam. Thank you. I, j I just wanted to touch on that. So I think for for what Commissioner Toot or Alexander Toot is asking is, if there's a revision, that revision gets reviewed also at the same time. So so let's say they started their project. They get a revision, it triggers something planning, but at that time when the revision is submitted, yes. it does get planning review as well. And there's like, okay, this will require us now at this point. That's so correct. So have to go through whatever process. A real good example about that is that we, we got a, a building, a conversion of an existing uh, part of a house, right. a garage, in, in actual fact, to an accessory dwelling unit. And uh, they got that approval from planning. Moving down the line, they came in with the revision to completely demolish that garage and rebuild an ADU. Now we know to send that back to planning. Right. We get that blessing again. Thank you. Um, Deputy Director Neville, thank you. Um, one of the things I think is important about this um, presentation and also the Joint Commission um, is, is having a baseline understanding for the Commission and the public about this bifurcated process because that baseline understanding of the bifurcated process allows, I think going forward will allow um, applicants, the public, a better understanding of the nuances. There are just, you know, a, a host of different ways that you can process an application or, or the issues, I shouldn't say the, how you can process it, but a number of issues that will affect your application from a design standpoint, but having a baseline understanding of this bifurcated process and then moving outside of that, you know, as time goes on, understanding some of the nuanced differences when other um, projects or issues that come up, I think that baseline right now is what, what we want to get to and then I appreciate the questions, but there's a lot of other baseline questions that moving forward that you know I'm hoping that we're also going to get to through the client service so that as we lead up to that joint commission that there is a really productive discussion between both commissions because they have a very solid understanding of the changes but also some of the um, details that the public's going to have about the process. The things that you outline here on slide six that I would have questions about, and you don't have to answer this right now, but you know, 
in what's going to be included in the legislation, some of the technology piece, the technology that you would use to process a building permit versus a planning process. Um, questions that I'm sort of getting anecdotally are what are the fees associated with both and people have concerns about, you know, the duplication of fees. Well, you know, planning, is that is that going to be materially different? Um, and also the the procedures and training between a preliminary review that building um, the inner agencies would have at a planning level because the, the part that that's supposed to help an applicant is basically flag really big issues. Um, the questions that you know Commissioner Toot had about when do you lock in the building code? Well, the big pieces to that, the, the, the bigger pieces that you spoke to are things that at a preliminary review of the planning process would address so that an applicant could see those early on and perhaps address them early on at a preliminary level. Yeah, our staff uh, remain always available for consultation along the way um, through over-the-counter consultation or the ability to, to, to schedule maybe a, a pre-application meeting. That That's not going to change. In fact, that's going to get better. Um, I think at this point, we, we definitely, from my experience, we definitely scrutinize site permit application is a little too heavily on the building department side, and we need to uh, relax a little bit on that. Well, a planning permit isn't a building permit, right. so the way they're gonna review a planning permit isn't the same way they would review a building permit. I, that's the point that I was trying to make, Absolutely. and how you're going to train staff to expedite a planning review versus a building permit review. We're really gonna, you know, again, it's part of uh, our response to the mayor's directive, both on uh, DBI's perspective as well as planning. To, uh, to, to conceive the idea of getting all your comments within that first 30 days from, you know, I, I, again, volume will determine whether we're able to meet that, that uh, constraint, but that's, that's the intent. We've got to have that goal, and that's the goal that we have. Do other commissioners have other questions they'd like to field? Does this help? Does this help the commission understand? Sort of like I think what we're trying to do is like keep building on the knowledge base the commission has based on how this is progressing, and I think the phase two would be a you know part of that um, uh, uh, knowledge base that we need to sort of bring back to the commission and, and eventually have a joint commission with planning. So thank you very much for the the very concise slide deck. I appreciate it. Thank you. Is there any public comment on item ten? None virtually. Okay, seeing none, we'll go to item 11. 11 is commissioners' questions and matters. 11A is inquiries to staff. At this time, commissioners may make inquiries to staff regarding various documents, policies, practices, and procedures which are of interest to the commission. 11B, future meetings or agendas. At this time, the commission may discuss and take action to set the date of a special meeting and or determine those items that could be placed on the agenda of the next meeting and other future meetings of the Building Inspection Commission. Um, the next regular meeting is going to be on uh, March 15th. And so did any of the commissioners want to address the either item A or B? I'd like to address um, 11B, uh, pending our discussion on uh, Agenda 10 uh, by proposing to uh, have this um, uh, site reform a uh, site permit process um, brought back we discussed this at the subcommittee level and then 
uh, go into a little bit more depth and then bring it back to the commission. As I stated, it's like a process that we're building upon knowledge for the commission, so I'll propose to bring back that agenda item. Okay, thank you. Um, any other commissioners have any other possible agenda item? Okay, you can uh, reach out to me prior to the next meeting if anything comes up. So if there's uh, no other discussion for 11 A and B, is there a public comment on this item? Okay, there's no public comment. So next is item 12, Director's Report 12A, Director's Update. Thank you, President Beto and members of the Building Inspection Commission. I'm Patrick O'Reardon, the Director of the Department of Building Inspection. As you know, this year we're focused on streamlining and speeding up uh, our permit review and issuance. And I'm proud to report that our effort to streamline permitting for solar permits has launched. So last Thursday, DBI officially launched the Solar App Plus pilot program. So licensed contractors can get instant online electrical permits for some uh, solar rooftop arrays. Uh, we gave you a, a preview last month. Uh, DBI uh, has hosted a small online launch event with the US Department of Energy and a group of solar systems providers. There was a lot of enthusiasm and we feel very good about the start of the program. Several DBI teams drove the initiative, but I want to give a special thank you to our project manager, James Zahn, uh, and his group in permit services. Chief Electrical Inspector Ken Burke and Bruce Uke, along with Raymond Yip from our Information Services team. And uh, just moving on, um, I'd like to share a few passages from a note that was sent to us by a homeowner, Mr. Richard Chu to our electrical ins uh, chief electrical inspector, praising inspector Ma Mark Giacino and Benjamin Yee for their excellent customer service. And I, I quote, uh, he states, I was lucky to talk to inspector Mark, who was sympathetic about my situation. And uh, he said he would consult with his senior inspect inspector, Benjamin Yee. Um, and Benjamin Yee showed up shortly afterwards and was like a godsend rescuer who was able to update the sticker with the current date, and I believe that would be the sticker on the service to the building. Uh, I'm very grateful that SF uh, DBI, electrical inspection team, are so professional and caring. I work, and, and he goes on to state, I work in a busy hospital and we often talk about care experience. And I thought this was an excellent care experience about your team that goes above and beyond. Uh, in making a positive impact on the community. Thank you, Mr. Chu, for your nice note, and thank you, Mark and Benjamin, for your dedication and uh, your top-notch service to the public. Um, I'd like to close my remarks on a more somber note. Um, this week we saw a terrible tragedy unfold in Turkey and uh, Syria when the earthquake, uh, I believe it was a 7.8 magnitude earthquake, caused widespread death and destruction in both of those countries. The videos of the apartment buildings collapsing in the hours after the earthquake are nothing but horrifying. As a building official, it drives home the importance of what we do uh, in the building department and, we do, and what we do every day. 
with your support, uh, the building safety we enforce every day forms the front lines of defense against this kind of tragedy ever happening in San Francisco. Uh, we run seismic upgrade programs. We verify code compliance in building plans and in the field as we do our inspections. We do this every day to safeguard our community now and into the future and to make sure our neighbors' homes are secure, our schools and our businesses, as well as our high-rise uh, buildings, that they are structurally sound. We sometimes get criticized for this vigilance. Shortcuts may seem good if the potential consequences aren't considered. But the one thing we all know is that San Francisco will experience a significant earthquake that will put our city to the test at some point. So I want to take this moment for us to acknowledge the importance of our work in protecting our city from natural disaster and recommit to you that DBI will continue to ensure that buildings in our city are constructed to the required safety standards. It's our job and we take it seriously. That concludes my report. Thank you. Um, next is item 12B, update on major projects. The following slides are intended to highlight the volume and valuation of projects costing $5 million or more that are uh, filed, issued, and completed, as well as profile a few projects that bring especially high value in terms of their contribution to housing and uh, community assets. In December uh, 2022, one permit application with a, an estimated construction value of um, uh, of $5 million or more was filed with DBI. The application was for exterior repairs at a condo building located at 300 Berry Street, and that work is valued at $10.4 million. Uh, last month, we issued three high-value permits with a collective valuation of $19.3 million. Two of these permits were for renovations and seismic upgrades at the German Consulate building located at 1950 and 1960 Jackson Street. Um, the other was for an office tenant improvement at 345 Spear Street. And uh, lastly, DBI finaled two high value projects. These completed projects have a construction valuation of approximately $94 million and they have added 215 new housing units to the housing stock. One of the projects was a 215-unit senior assisted living facility at 1001 Van Ness Avenue. Another was for seismic accessibility and other upgrades at a PDR facility at 101 Utah Street. Thank you, and I'm available for questions. Uh, commissioners, uh, have no I have question. one short question. All of these projects above the five million would that generally constitute the third category that um, Director Neville outlined? Yeah, these are yeah. Typically in, in, in all likelihood, yes, they would. They would all be the more complex projects that would fall into that category. Thank you. 
Thank you. Our next item is 12C, update on DBI's finances. Hello again, commissioners. Can you please move to the next page of the presentation? So this is an update of the monthly finance report. We are 58% of the way through the year, and on the revenue side, we have collected only 54% of that budget. Uh, based on the first seven months of the year, our projected revenue, same as last month, remains $54.7 million. That's 6% lower than budgeted. That is, we are still hoping a conservative estimate. As you can see, there's only a 4% difference between um, percentage elapsed and, and actual revenue collected. Next slide, please. The only difference between in this slide between this month and last month is, of course, the year-to-date actuals and the year-to-date percentage. We are monitoring this um, against our six-month projections, and they appear to still be on track. We will be updating this next month for our nine-month projections, and we will report the results there. But things are not... Uh, Things are not worsening from where they were. So again, in our budget presentation, we are assuming an 18% drop in revenue. So far, we're only experiencing a 4% drop this year. We uh, remain cautiously optimistic that our projections are conservative and things will improve. Next slide, please. On the expenditure side, it... Um, we are only 42% spent. This is more difficult to project out because a lot of our spending is encumbered but not yet paid out. We have open purchase orders and we have not been invoiced yet. Um, however, our projections remain and appear to still be on track, about 4% lower than budgeted. Next slide, please. So again, the differences between this month's presentation and last month are the year-to-date actuals and year-to-date percentage columns. We still appear to be on track to meet our uh, projections from last month. We will update these projections again next month for our six-month report to the mayor's office and, uh, and controller's office. Next slide, please. On the, not too much has changed on the permit side, so number of permits here to date remain the same as they did last month, about 10% lower than the number, same number of permits last year. However, the valuation remains higher than it did last year, although not quite as high as it was last month. Next slide, please. And here are the numbers and the valuations of the permits in the various tiers. I'd be happy to answer any questions. I don't have any further questions about the budget. Thank you. Okay, thank thank you. you. Okay, um, 12D, um, update on proposed or recently enacted state or local legislation.
Good morning, President Beto, Commissioners. I'm Carl Nasita, Legislative Affairs Manager, with a brief update on local and state legislation affecting the department. The first piece of legislation I'd like to bring to your attention is actually a cleanup bill uh, to help operationalize the wage theft ordinance that was passed by the Board of Supervisors last year and enacted in June of 2022. The proposed ordinance amends the police and building code to require owners of residential construction projects producing 10 or more units of housing to maintain a labor compliance bond at the time of issuance of the first construction document and also clarifies that that bond requirement applies to projects that submitted an application or a preliminary application on or after June 6, 2022. So the two pieces of this ordinance um, clarify that, that date of June 6, 2022, so that we're compliant with SB 330, which was enacted in January of 2020, which limits local jurisdictions on placing uh, new requirements once a project application has been submitted. And then the second piece um, exempts site permits from the bond requirement and focuses on this uh, first construction document when there actually would be construction work ongoing and uh, workers who need protection. Uh, the, the next ordinance I'd like to bring to your attention is what you heard at the last BIC meeting, an ordinance to amend the planning and building codes to increase fines and penalties for violations of the planning and building codes. As you know, you recommended that at your last meeting and the planning commission also heard that ordinance and recommended it with modifications couple of weeks ago, so this will now go back to the Land Use Committee at the Board of Supervisors. Today at the Board of Supervisors, President Peskin is uh, introducing a resolution urging the planning department to report on potential candidates for adaptive reuse in the downtown core and urging the planning department and DBI to issue public-facing criteria for members of the public and stakeholder property owners on potential conversions. As I said, President Peskin uh, proposed this resolution and referred it to the full board without committee reference, so it'll be heard at the board meeting this afternoon. And also, uh, moving to hearings, there was a hearing introduced to review the budget and legislative analyst policy report on repurposing commercial real estate for residential use to address our affordable and market rate housing and commercial vacancy needs. You can see a theme here. Uh, this hearing was introduced last week and assigned to the Land Use and Transportation Committee and has not yet been scheduled. And another hearing that's not yet been scheduled, just for your information, is the uh, hearing with the Planning Department and DBI, as well as OLSE, Office of Labor Standards Enforcement, and Human Rights Commission for potential violations at the Twitter headquarters located at 1355 Market Street. Again, that was a hearing assigned to the Land Use Committee, but has not yet been scheduled. And then moving over to the state side, legislators do have until this Friday, February 17th, to introduce bills for consideration in this legislative session. Uh, in your supporting documents is a list of proposed bills that CALBO, the California Builders um, Officials Organization, is tracking. And I do just wanted to call out three here um, that we're looking at, but there are more, and we do expect more to come in by this Friday. AB 529 is a bill that would add expansion of adaptive reuse projects 
to the list of specified pro-housing for local policies. AB 548 would require local enforcement agencies to develop policies and procedures for inspecting a building with multiple units. If an inspector has determined that a unit is a substandard unit or in violation of the state housing law, and that would have potential to affect the other units in that building. And then SB 83 proposed by State Senator Scott Weiner, and this bill would state that the intent of the legislature is to require public utilities companies to provide comments on post entitlement phase permit applications and connect new construction to the electrical grid within specified timeframes. That's my update for today. Happy to answer any questions. I don't have any questions. I do appreciate that one of the summaries had hyperlinks to the bill, which is really, I appreciate that on the state bills from Calbo. Oh, good, good. I think that's great. Um, and, it, and the summary that you that's provided is on a table that's very readable. Um, I just have a request to make that when the, the transportation um, meeting hasn't happened yet on the conversion. Um, uh, Madam Secretary, could you uh, alert us when that would happen? I'd be, I always miss those despite wanting to listen in on them, but could you let us know when that, that could take place so we can listen in on that? Okay, yes, I'll notify everyone. Commissioner Chu, do you have a question? I don't have a question, I just wanted to say welcome and this was a fantastic presentation and um, yeah, very, very easily, easy to understand and you have a, a lot of exciting work ahead of you. There's a lot of bills moving, so I look forward to hearing more about the progress. Thank you, Commissioner. Welcome. Thank I you. don't think we, we, we gave you a proper welcome the last Thanks. time. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Um, next, we have item 12E, update on inspection services. Good morning, President Beadle and Commissioners. Uh, I'm Joe Duffy, Deputy Director of Inspection Services at DBI. I'd like to give you uh, an update on some of our inspection activities for January. Um, in January, building electrical and plumbing divisions conducted over 9,400 inspections. 96% of those inspections were conducted within two business days of the date requested by the customer, and that was meeting our target of uh, 90%. Next slide. In the same month, our housing inspection services conducted 1,078 inspections, with 169 of them being uh, routine inspections of multifamily housing. Next slide. The building electrical and plumbing divisions received 663 complaints and responded to 99% of them within three business days, and that was well exceeding their, their target of 85%. Next slide, please. Our housing inspection services received 55 safety and heat complaints and responded to 96% of them within one business days. They received 531 other complaints and responded to over 91% of them within three business days. Housing inspection services also abated 371 cases with a notice of violation and sent 38 cases to the director's hearing. 
Um, I also want to thank our staff, our inspection staff, for the month of January with the storms. We were really busy. We had a standby inspector, and on some occasions, both of them out there, sort of 24-7. We had a lot of retaining wall issues, some mudslides. Um, you know, it was in the media. And also, our housing inspection services, there was definitely like an uptake in the complaints. I just want to thank staff for their hard work during last month's storms. Um, I'm available for any questions. Thank you. I just have one co comment, less a question. Well, I guess it's a question. So based on the, um, and, and Deputy Director uh, Duffy, you always uh, pr present a very efficient report, which I appreciate. Um, but of the public comments that we've heard today where uh, you hear of issues, and if that is reported to DBI, the timelines that you're providing in this slide deck are very um, responsive, so I presume that that would all fall into that same timeline as well. Yes, when we get the complaints, they're basically received and assigned within the time limits, you know, within a day or two. And depending on the inspector's schedule, they're usually there within the next couple of days, you know. So, yeah, they are, they are responded to. Sometimes with complaints, though, there is that little problem where we go there and we can't get in, and then it drags on a week. The, the inspectors do update that, so we do respond to them. We always don't get the action that we want. We can't force our way into a property. Sometimes it takes a little bit of working out. So that's where you get the delay in the complaints. But overall, I think our team does a great job on responding like, within the time limits. Do you try to work with the nonprofits that w were presented today to, if, they, if there's any language issues or they need somebody to advocate? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We, okay. we have interpreted uh, uh, staff as well. We, we actually pay people a bonus for language help. And, you know, um, our housing inspection services in particular deal with that a lot, and we are pretty well staffed, like, in that regard. Thank you. I don't have any further questions. Thank you. Madam. Uh, Commissioner Tam. Um, just real quick, with regards to the multi-unit routine inspections, I know that's a requirement. Are these property owners, are they reaching out for these inspections or do you guys actually do an outreach um, pretty, you know, routinely? Um, it's a really good question, Commissioner Tam. It's, that is, that is mandated by the San Francisco Housing Code every five years. And um, sometimes we do, it, it works both ways. Sometimes the, it will come through us through a tenant complaint. And when we're investigating the complaint, we'll do the routine as well. Um, there's also a schedule set up where the, the Housing Inspection Services will um, set that appointment. The Housing Inspector will show up at the property unannounced, but, but you know, and sometimes there's, like beforehand, there is a contact made. We are actually looking at upgrading and updating all of our technology on that program to make it more efficient, um, but it, it, it comes at us both ways, but they are scheduled. And um, the, the, the inspectors do follow through. And property owners are glad of it, I think, you know, because it does identify issues like with um, things that are they may not think about where our housing inspection staff are experienced to, uh, to be able to point them out. And in my experience, if we do issue uh, like, an, uh, like a notice, they're generally for maintenance items that are, that are taken care of pretty quickly. Very rarely will we see those moving to a hearing stage. Great, great. And then just a f real quick as well. So let's say you have a notice of violation, you're out there, you see the property, or they pull a permit, they do some work. That inspection, would that reset that five-year requirement? Would that, you know, yes. set the ticker? Yes, yes, Perfect. yes, it would. Unless we got a complaint, unless we got a complaint on the property in the meantime, right. that, would, that, would, that would take us out there again. Okay. 
Thank I, you so much. I presume for the a lot of the buildings that are professionally managed, um, especially commercial and high-rise residential, those are pretty those are scheduled in advance. Yeah, that's right. Yes, and then the fire department do their inspections as well annually on buildings for the on the on the high-rise buildings. So they're they're checking their stuff as well. Any further? Any other questions? I have a question. Um, have we? I, there's a lot of work. There's a, there seems to be a lot of effort going into um, teaching tenants about their rights when it comes to the housing code. But tenants are often the recipients or the the observers of illegal construction. Has there been any outreach or education? I'm thinking of the storms, right? And that we may see an uptick in permits, and we also may see a bypassing of the system. And I'm wondering, um, you know, how has how how do you approach illegal construction? Has there been any community community education around illegal construction? Things to look out for when someone should actually have a permit or not? Because I think that the tenant community doesn't really have that information, but are oftentimes the people who are living. Um, and seeing that happen when they make complaints. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner Toot. Um, you know, I, I would say that people are pretty confident of the fact that they, that, that, uh, that they can file a complaint. Um, for us to do an outreach, and we have some like, information on our website about filing complaints, why you would file a complaint, how you file a complaint. 311, of course, that service, like when that came in, that, 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 like that was a big catch-all for any types of complaints, and they will send those to us as well. So, you know, um, you can always do better, and you know, maybe we can look at that and see if there's something else that, that we can do. But for the most part, um, people are, are pretty aware. Neighbors now are more aware. Um, I think with the advent of phones and people can take a photo, send us a video. Hey, what do you think of this? You know, is this something I sh you can like investigate? We also get a lot of noise complaints from neighbors and stuff like that. And, and I, 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 like I know you asked me about tenants, and I think, I think our housing inspection services and the work that's done like with the nonprofit groups, I think they're pretty aware of, uh, like, uh, of the complaint uh, investigations process. If I may add to that, one of the things we discussed at the last commission meeting is uh, DVI would walk through their website, and I think that could be uh, something we could add either to your presentation or an agenda item, just so that things you're talking about, because I've, uh, I was scanning the website for complaints, and I think that the upgrade in the website is much clearer and the forms that you fill out. So I think walking us through that would be a great way to educate you know, the commission as well as the public how, how easy it, it, it is to actually file that. Certainly, that's a great idea. I would definitely go for that, yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'd, I'd like to develop some of this thinking, but tenants usually complain when an a problem isn't being addressed. When it's being addressed outside the correct process is when people might not know, oh, maybe I should call because this isn't actually, you know, a good, you know, this is actually going around the system. It's maybe not up to code, um, things like that. So, um, yeah, I'd love to love to see on the website and maybe from a tenant's perspective make those kinds of suggestions because there are definitely landlords who are responsive but maybe not doing things in the right correct way. We want to make sure that we're protecting tenants. I, I know this is something you think about all the time, so it's well, not a new a new thing for you. I can tell you that it has been discussed with Patrick Hannon and the communications team about adding some features to the website. Maybe you know, like we're always looking at that and exploring ideas to 
I'd certainly do it. Like for even for anything, like we we talked one time. I know that we're not maybe it's, we haven't got there yet, but like putting some videos on there about potentially you know like a like a YouTube video on how to deal with something like that. There's a lot now that we can do. That was talked about in the last year. We just haven't got to it yet, but certainly it's it's a great idea. And the more we can outreach to the public and particularly people like tenants that are that maybe just don't know and they're being told by someone, oh, it's fine, you don't need to complain. You know, those are th those are the people that we need to help, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any public comment on the director's report items uh, 12A through E? And none uh, virtually. Okay, seeing none. Uh, next item is item 13, review and approval of the minutes of the regular meeting of January 18, 2023. Motion to approve the previous minutes. Second. So there's a motion and a second to approve the minutes. Is there any public comment? Okay, seeing none, are all commissioners in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Okay, and the minutes are approved. At next item 14, adjournment. Is there a motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. Okay, all commissioners in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. We are now adjourned. It is 11.40 a.m. <laughs>